episode zero of the this and that podcast of alex and mondo i'm your host alex we're going to be having a little bit of a preview episode today we're going to be introducing you to myself as well as our other host mondo also talking about the mighty ducks going through that tournament we had online so let me throw it over to mondo as we get ready to get started what is up everybody thank you for joining us and we are so glad to finally be doing this with you you're going to be following along on this journey that Alex and I are going to be going through. A little bit about me. I have been wanting to do a podcast forever, and we finally are able to do it between the two of us. Alex and I have known each other for years. Funny enough, I'm actually engaged to his niece, but it's okay. He likes me, so this is going to work out just fine. Yeah, he's definitely a good addition to the family. I'm not too upset that uh, she said yes to you. I will say that. Um, a little bit about myself, grew up, born and raised in Miami, uh, moved up to Orlando coming up almost seven, eight years ago now. It kind of almost feels like forever. Um, <laughs> it feels like it's been a while. It, it feels like it's been a while. Met La Esposa. She will be known going forward. Um, have two beautiful little boys and yeah, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. I just never found someone to kind of link up with and finally have, you know, someone to share ideas with. And, um, uh, I know me were talking over Top golf and and some alcoholic beverages and kind of came to the realization that this is something we should follow. And top golf and alcoholic beverages are always something that go well together. So we are going to be, like Alex said, taking you through a journey today through what is the dynasty of the Mighty Ducks movies. And before we get started, we're going to be recapping the movies for you. Now, of course, we're going to be starting with D1. The one that started it all. And for those of you that do not know what it was about, we meet Gordon Bombay, the Minneapolis Miracle Man, who ended up having to do community service, which is why he ends up having to coach this ragtag groups of District 5 hockey players. Yeah, at the time, he wasn't yet the Minnesota Miracle Man. That's obviously as the movie goes on. Uh, he was a hotshot defense attorney who got a DUI. You know, it, it's a very old, uh, I feel like, plot in movies. Um, we've seen Keanu Reeves do this. Like, you know, you get busted with the law and you get forced into community service. And then you fall in love with that team. That just those underachieving kids. They just, they just need the right coach. And you needed them. And that's what this story was, but it, it just resonated somehow. Like it, it just, I don't know what it is about it, the story and how it was able to connect, but it, it did, it did. And it's still something that to this day, I think people, you know, still go flying V. And every, everybody knows what the flying V is. And honestly, this movie brought out a ton of lovable characters now, we're going to be going through them through the tournament, but just some of the names that you can think of, Guy Germain, Connie Moreau, Fulton Reed, Averman, and as you'll learn today, 
Charlie Conway, who's now one of our favorites, but we got reasons why. Yeah, well, there's the um, the statues of Charlie Conway and one of Greg Goldberg will be taking mighty hits today. We uh, warn you in advance, if you're fans of them, you, you may not like us after today, but you may laugh and enjoy it. And that's the point of our pod at the end of the day. We're, we're here to make you guys laugh, make you guys smile, much like the Mighty Ducks do. And much like how they've done with Game Changers, we'll be going over all that. Um, but as we were going on with D1, um, he meets the team, and they, they, you know, they don't even have hockey equipment when he meets them. Um, yeah, and and it's crazy because you think of they're playing hockey, so they seem all excited for it, but they can't even afford hockey equipment. So you go through this journey of him falling in love with hockey and wanting to find out different ways to help them. He goes back, gets his old boss at the firm to pay for jerseys and his name was Mr. Ducksworth. So if you know anything about these movies, you know, it's the mighty ducks. So towards the middle to the end of the movie, as they're playing through for the tournament, they learn that they're getting new jerseys and the way that they're going to get these jerseys is through a very generous donation. Now, as you can imagine, nobody wants to be a duck. At least not yet. Yeah, it's, it's you know, when you hear your mascot's a duck, you think a duck, like they don't even have teeth. Like, what are they going to do to me? Like, they're like ducks. But then when you think about it and you think when ducks stick together, like like anybody who's from Miami who's been to FIU knows about ducks, all right? You don't mess with those FIU ducks. You don't mess with those FIU ducks, okay? Um, and those ducks will – they'll chase you. Like, yeah, ducks hey, don't you, care, man. You, you learn they're, not they're, to mess they're, with they're ducks. Mean. Ducks are mean. Man, right? and, and does this tournament learn not to mess with the ducks? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. I, absolutely. Um, I will say one thing as, as we were, as I was doing research for the movie today, I saw, I, in other words, I watched all three. Um, <laughs> I was in that same boat earlier this week. Yeah. yeah. They still hold up. Yeah. No, they absolutely do. Well, they absolutely ex- do. Um, they don't hold up except D3, but we D3, will get into that. We'll get to that. But D3 is hot garbage. D, D, D3 was D, like someone needs money. Let's make D3. That being said, I will point out a couple things in D1 that go unnoticed. The first player that says, I want to be a duck is not Charlie Conway. It's in fact interesting. Fulton. It's in fact Fulton. Well, there's a reason why he's one of my favorites. Fulton Reed is the man. I really like Fulton. And, and I know I'm, I'm going to cross dip into D2 because that's what happens. So Connie and Guy are together already in D1. They're starting their relationship. And in D2, when they first, you know, get the ducks back together, they're, like, very close to having – sharing an intimate kiss, if you will. And Guy's like, I was this close. My man Guy, don't think we didn't notice at the end of the first one when you're celebrating, you and Connie make up. For anyone that, and, and for anyone that fell for that little trap of Guy saying, like, no, I, I almost got it. No, no, we know. We know. We know, Guy. Back to D1. So, 
as we're starting on this uh, hockey season with our misfits and we get our sponsorship money, um, Hans, the uh, mentor of one Gordon Bombay, if you will, um, informs him that the district lines have been repainted. And in fact, the Hawks, the powerhouse at the time, which we'll discuss what happens to the Hawks and game changers because they're referenced and it's, it's not good. It's not good. Um, the results of this movie may have catastrophically affected the Hulk, so that's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> but their best player, Adam Banks, had to switch teams because he was living in District 5 area, not where the Hawks were. So he had to become a duck. And not, Very many, and not many people like this cake eater. And real quick, before we just leave off on cake eater, a lot of people, including myself, didn't know what cake eater meant or why it was an insult. For those of you that don't know, the people that were in the district that play for the Hawks are so damn rich that they can have their cake and eat it too. So when they call you a cake eater, they're calling you a rich snob. Like the worst thing they can call you. <laughs> so as every as in every sports movie, there's a climatic turn and just to kind of get to D2 because D2 is by far and away the greatest sequel in the history of sequels. Um, they win the state championship against the Hawks. They obviously beat the Hawks. The Hawks were the powerhouse. Um, so Gordon Bombay becomes the Minnesota Miracle Man. At the end of the movie, it ends with him going back to the minors because, you know, he played hockey when he was young to try and make it to the NHL, which leads us into D2. Which is a global competition. They end up going into the Junior Goodwill Games where most of the Ducks came back. Some were unceremoniously cut or never spoken of again. Looking at you, including, including the brother of one, which is amazing. <laughs> pull that one off. It's like some Happy Days stuff. Um, <laughs> Jesse Hall left it. If you, and if you don't understand that Happy Days reference, go look up Richie Cunningham, older brother, and you will understand what that reference is in case I'm dating myself. <laughs> you might be. <laughs> that's why I, I have to think that's a little bit there. I had to throw that out there. Um, poor, poor Terry Hall. Yeah, which, which actually ends up being one of the most successful actors from the series. This is very true. Now, granted, he lives in infamy because he supposedly got some guys to attack him. And yes, I'm speaking of one, uh, Jesse Smollett. But that's who it is in the first one. Um, so they go and take on the uh, the world in the Junior Goodwill Games with the addition of five new players. And leading into that, of those five new players, come out some of the most iconic players personally that played for the Hawks. Now, one Julie the Cat, who was beautiful when it came to being in goal. We all loved Goldberg, except us. We don't love Goldberg, but everybody loved Goldberg. He was that lovable kid that he he just stayed in the net. He was there. He he didn't stop anything though. He didn't stop a thing, but we still loved him. He was the fat kid in goal. It's, that's it's what, what happens. Got. You put the fat kid in the goal. It's it's what You're it the big is. Guy. Yeah, you go in the goal. And then we, we look at another one, Dwayne Robertson, the cowboy. And we're going to talk about him a little later, but that man had the best hands out of anybody. Including NHL players. Including NHL players. And we cannot forget the Miami boy. The Miami boy, Luis Mendoza, who, if many people – did not know. I'm do the basic, I, most basic thing in the history of skating. 
not hockey, skating. Good he stuff. had no breaks. And something that Alex actually mentioned to me that I didn't know, if you go back and watch that movie in D2 and you look at the jersey when you first meet Luis Mendoza, it says South Miami. And I'm not sure where he was training in South Miami. It might have been Kendall Ice Arena. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you know this as well. It's not just it says South Miami. The logo is a snake, like South Miami High. <laughs> now, the jersey's blue and orange, so it's not the school colors. I believe the school colors are orange and black at South Miami. I am not sure what their school colors are. And I didn't play them in high school, so I can't say that I uh, – no offense to South Miami. I just don't care. Um, South Miami High. Sorry. Um, I know you're like the Cobras. I know that. Um, but that being said, yeah, he was South Miami had the Cobra on the uh, on the jersey there. So so represent South Miami High. And leading into the other members that were added in was Wu, Mr. Wu. Many people forget he was on this team, but Mr. Ken Wu was a figure skater who they convinced to play hockey. And finally – the man who I think was the most influential was Dean Portman in the creation of the Bash Bros. But leading in, we go in and they fight through and they end up fighting the mighty Iceland. And you see Which, by that. The way, it's in the history of villains. Like, like you can go and say Iceland from D2 and like people will respect that. Like that's like, like who was one of the worst villains of all time? Team Iceland from D2. And in any beautiful movie, that has to have a happy ending. They end up going up against Iceland and taking them down. Not before a quick wardrobe change from Team USA to the USA Ducks and wearing the exact same logo of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Something that the Walt Disney Company likes to call Synergy. Which, by the way, yes, they owned the NHL team at the time. (laughs) And with that beautiful ending to that movie, we lead into D3. Which, as we've said... We're going to speed through this because it wasn't that good. Look, all right. They got a scholarship to prep school. They had to beat the varsity team, who was also the 10-time state champion. So it was a little D1-esque where they were being like this powerhouse and they were like the plucky underdogs. But they were in prep school now instead of being like little like juvenile delinquents, which is what they were in the first one. So they made it through. Um, the only one apparently who didn't want to go to prep school was Jesse Hall. For some reason, he said no. He decided to take another path, um, which, you know, more power to him. He Maybe did better for himself, um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's not good. It was it's, underwhelming, it, it, at best, at best. So as we finish wrapping up these uh, three movies, let's take a moment right now to hear from our beautiful sponsor of our uh, fantastic podcast. Are you looking for custom cabinets and furniture? Well, there's only one place for you. AG Custom Cabinets is the place to go. Serving the South Florida community for over 30 years, AG Custom Cabinets provides everything you can think of. Kitchens, baths, closets, you name it, they provide it. AG Custom Cabinets, where furniture is made fresh. And speaking of fresh, if you have not gotten a chance to see this TV show, Mighty Ducks Game Changers is a must watch. It is fantastic. Um, I was definitely wanting to watch it from the beginning because it was first. It's it's Emilio Estevez's back is going to Bombay, so that's you know that's already a hook, right? And then it was it's being written by the same person who wrote the original movie. So there's 
a certain continuation that ha- that he, they were able to keep in having that kind of combination uh, with the storyline. So basically, the story picks up 25 years. So we've gone current time. So because we are, in fact, 25 years from the first Duck movies, I believe, or the second. I'm not sure which one. I right. it's the first. Yeah, it's the first one. It's the first one. Um, and the Ducks have evolved into what you expect youth hockey to evolve when you start winning. They're a take no prisoners, win at all cost. The watch your diet. This is the most important thing in your life. Youth Pee Wee hockey in the state of Minnesota. Like there's going to be no greater glory. Uh, you can almost say something like Texas high school football, I guess. Yeah. And watching it happen is you kind of see what it is that's wrong with youth sports in a lot of places. It goes down to the it's kill or be killed. It's be the best or you're a loser. And it actually starts off with in the first episode, what we see is our main character in this show getting cut from the Mighty Ducks because he wasn't good enough. Yeah. His name is uh, Evan Morrow. Um, All the actors in this are fantastic. I will, I do have to say that from the very beginning, they, they are fantastic. Evan Morrow, um, so he gets cut from the dogs and it's, you know, he is not happy because it's, it's his dream. He wants to be on the best team, right? Then the Ducks are the best team. And his mom played by the one Lauren Graham. So one of the other bigger name actors and actresses in this show um, kind of starts to get on the speech and begin in today's world. The other parents and kids all videotape it and make them go viral. To which she um, tells the Coach T, who, as far as ultimate D-bags I've seen, like he is – Top of the list. If not, I'm pretty good. He, I mean, like, like more credit to the actor. I believe he's a D-bag. So props to him. Um, but tells him basically, you don't bother, which sets up our team name. Which leads into that is the don't bother. So Evan Morrow and his mom decide that they're going to start a hockey team. Now, this is very interesting because they have about three days to create a hockey team. So it's a little throwback to D1 where it's kind of a group of misfits that gets put together and has to figure it out. So you get the... Flowing Locks kid who has the Toronto Maple Leafs jersey that everyone thinks is the all-star. The kid can't skate. He is the epitome of, I think, something that you and me in Spanish, if I use this term, you're going to know exactly what I'm saying. Postalita. 100%. This man. So Postalita in Spanish, for those of you that are uh, not uh, speakers of the language, um, is basically a pretty boy. So someone who looks the part. So, you know, he shows up like, you know, full – Toronto Maple Leafs jersey and uniform and looking like, you know, the second coming of Matt Sundin, if you will. And you can look him up as well, if you wish. And the boy can't play hockey, can't skate, can't do anything. Uses the stick as a tripod. Pretty much. And then you get to meet all the different kids that you would find in a school. You meet, you see all the the young kid that kind of gets made fun of and stays to himself, their goalie ends up being found through a video game. The kid didn't allow a goal in a video game. So they traveled to his house 
and went down into his basement, which I immediately thought was a horrible decision because no going into anyone's basement as a child never ends well in these in movies. It's really creepy. But they end up getting this kid to join, and little by little, as you can explain, it's they get better. The don't bothers start to matter a little bit. Well, the don't bothers are also uh, looking for a place to practice because apparently what they were unaware of is they, they need to have an actual place to play and practice. So all the ice arenas are are uh, occupied or they don't want to, you know, they don't want to deal with kids uh, until she finds this broken down kind of running on fumes um, ice arena called the Ice Palace. The Ice Palace is run by this, you know, shell of a man who we all know him as Gordon Bombay. And that's how they introduce Gordon. He is 25 years after the Ducks and, and life has taken a toll on poor old Gordo. Poor old Gordo doesn't, doesn't even like hockey. He literally has a sign in the Ice Palace that says no hockey. And as we find out later, the way that he was let go and the way that things went down and the way that the Mighty Ducks started becoming almost the worst of hockey in the terms of being the elitist team that needs to have everything right. And if you're not, if you're not with us, you're against us. And if you're not good enough, you're done. And this all leads into him working with and trying to find different ways to help our main characters excel with the team without actually getting involved. And as we have seen through pretty much all the Mighty Ducks movies, Gordon Baum TV has a thing for hockey players' moms. Yes. Yes, this is true. He does go, uh, it looks like him and uh, Lauren Graham are having a little romance brewing. Um, I will say it, it is, it has been very well done how they've, how they've kind of it, – it's been a slow, slow break into Gordon Bombay to get him back into hockey um, up until this very last episode that aired last week, which I would say is prob- what's probably the most anticipated episode of the whole series, um, being the things that we know now going on. Uh, episode 6, Spirit of the Ducks was the name of it. Is The reason it was named that is because we had some of the OGs making appearance and the legit OGs, not the, the legit OGs. In. We had the actors who played Fulton Reed, Guy Germain, Anna Banks, Connie Moreau, Kenny Wu. Did I leave anybody out there? No, I think, I think you got him. And Averman, my man, and, Averman. Oh, how can we forget Averman? And Lester, Lester Averman, which by the way, they say it all over the movies. I don't know how we didn't notice his name was Lester. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know his name was Lester until we started doing research on it. Yes. Um, and they're all there and, you know, they all explain their stories. Well, we I don't want to go too much into it in case you want to watch it. And it was just really well done. Um, obviously, a lot of people are disappointed. And it looks like from all accounts, Charlie will not be making an appearance this season. Um, Which is kind of a bummer. It, kind of a bummer. There are multiple reasons for that that I read, which is something I do want to discuss. Um, one of the reasons, they filmed in this in the height of COVID in Canada. For those six actors to even be in that one episode, they were in Canada for a month for Jeez. that one episode. They had to do two weeks of quarantine, and then it took two weeks to film it because of how, all the precautions and stuff like that. So people like 
Joshua Jackson, Charlie Conway, Keenan Thompson. Um, the actor who played Dean Portman, who is a legit therapist now. Jeez, Obviously, boy. if you're a therapist, you can't be gone for a month. What are you going to do with your patients? Exactly. You and, know, Keenan's doing SNL. Joshua Jackson's doing, I think he was doing a show for Peacock, I believe, or Hulu, something yeah, like that. Yeah, these guys are all doing different things that they can't, they can't take a month off just to do it. Just to do an episode. Yeah, just, for, just for one episode, you know. Um, like I said, now the screenwriter has said as soon as season two gets approved, there is a storyline for Charlie there that they want to bring in. And he is committed to bringing everyone back. He wants everyone to come through. And the reception is there from what he says. Everyone has reached out to him. And, and um, I know once the series started, they had reached out to Sean Weiss, my man Goldberg. Was, well, he's not going to like me later. Um <laughs> who I will say major props to for, for his recovery from, I believe he was addicted to heroin. Yeah. Um, he, he had, he had a rough goal of it, but we got to, we got to get props. a couple years. We, we, we may not be the biggest fan, but a props props to him. Cause it's not an easy thing to go through. And so, talking so, about the originals, we're thinking of, at least I wanted to know, do you think the originals are going to come back for any more episodes this season? I think Averman may may show up somewhere down the line. I think the rich person he drives for may help them at some point because um, it does look like Gordon Bombay is struggling with the Ice Palace. Um, but that I think he's the only one. I think everybody else is is one and done for this season. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like you said with everything going on. It's hard to get so many people in the same place and consistently do it, but. We got to be honest, leading in from that, it's been a great show. You got to make sure to watch it. And going from one great thing to another, we need to get into our bracket. This is the moment that both Mondo and me have been waiting to talk about. This has been weeks in the making, ladies and gentlemen. This, like this. So let's start with the inspiration for this goat duck term as we ended up calling it um an article was released on let's see here march 24th of this year so right around when the series started um on the ringer let me make sure i give credit credits due here by andrew grutadardo i'm sorry if i'm butchering your name my man but this is a great article so props to you where he basically ranks all players in the mighty ducks franchise so even the ones who only showed up for the first one, which they were obviously at the bottom, to the 14 who appeared in multiple movies were all ranked. So that got Mondo, Mondo and me thinking, who was the best of the ones in the movies? So we came up with this bracket. Um, we had to add two players because we weren't going to give the first and the one and two seed buys into the next round. So what we did was basically pick the two biggest actors from those for, from that first movie. So in this case, we picked Terry Hall, which as we discussed, was Jesse Smollett. He was our, I believe, 15th. Jesse Hall was, so, yeah. Terry Hall. Terry Hall. Terry was the 15th. Jesse yeah. was the one. Jesse, Jesse was it, yes. And then our other one was... Um, Tommy Duncan, which was the brother of Tammy Duncan, the required figure skater that Gordon Mabe has to have on all Mighty Duck teams. Ken Wu replaced him and dominated from there. But Tommy Duncan was played by Danny Tamarelli, who 
again, dating myself because Amando didn't know about the show, was an old show on Nickelodeon called The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which was basically parents who named both of their kids Pete, even though they were like six years apart. And the dad wasn't named Pete, so it wasn't like a junior, senior thing. And the show is, is about just adolescents growing up, but this is the show that the kid was on on Nickelodeon way back in the day. And then he was on a show called Figure It Out. Like you can, he's been around. Um, he was our 16 seed because he really didn't contribute much in Mighty Ducks. His sister was by far the better player just by being the better figure skater. And leading in to this article and how it relates into our bracket, this writer, I mean, did a great job. So just to break it down, he gives you a little breakdown of each skater throughout the movie and a little bit about their story. So just leading in with Terry Hall, I'm going to read you one line he's got here. His story is perhaps the saddest, which is true. He is overshadowed by his older brother, Jesse. And when it comes time to D2 and the Junior Goodwill Games, he's left off the roster and completely out of the movie. And yeah, yeah. Some I, of these just, lines here are just, just when you'll get them, and they're they're good. And you know, so we're gonna start revealing. We're gonna first go through our seating before we start describing some of these things. We'll describe them as they get knocked out of matchups. We will give the player description and give you something to laugh at as they get booted out the door. So, our, as we discussed, our fifteen and our sixteen seeds were Tommy Duncan and Terry Hall. So we're going to go down to one. So our, at 14, we had Lester Averman. He came in at 14. Coming next at 13 is Russ Tyler, followed by number 12, the Miami Missile, Luis Mendoza. At 11 is Goldberg. Don't fight me on this. He deserves to be 11. In fact, he probably deserves to be lower. We wanted him to match up with Julie Cat Gaffney, who is our sixth seed. So that's the only reason why he got 11. But I'd argue that Dwayne Robertson and Ken Wu and Luis Mendoza, all these guys deserve to be better than him. Yeah, but we, we just that wanted that. Oh, I agree. We just wanted that goalie matchup. We wanted to know who the best goalie was throughout these movies. Yeah. So at 10, Dwayne Robertson, 9, Kenny Wu, 8, Jesse Hall, 17, Portman, 6, as we said, was Julie the Cat, 5, was Guy Germain, 4, Charlie Conway, three, Connie Moreau, two, Fulton Reed, one, Adam Banks. And again, I'm going to say one other thing. If you want to fight me on number three, see Connie Moreau. I'm willing to meet you on my front lawn. For anyone that thinks that Connie Moreau doesn't deserve to be number three, watch the movies all over again. And, and everywhere. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. So we're going to start with uh, our first round matchups on here. So our first round matchups saw... Our one and 16 seed go at it. So Banks, Cake Eater versus Tommy Duncan. Needless to say, it was a very simple win for Banks, giving him 78% of the vote over Tommy Duncan. I'm surprised he even got like. I'm surprised he got 72%. 70%. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised, surprised that, Tommy Duncan put up that much of a fight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, Tommy Duncan, his uh, the best line on his thing was, he seriously, how can you take him as a hockey player? He's four feet tall. This is very not, true. Not wrong. It's not wrong. <laughs> this is very um, true. 
So our next matchup that we had here as we go down the bracket was actually our closest matchup of the first round. Um, number eight seed Jesse Hall was able to hold off Kenny Wu 60 to 40 percent. Woo 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 Kenny Wu, baby. We thought we Ooh, thought this was, we thought this was a chance for an upset. We were talking about it. This was one of the spots where we thought there could be an upset. And Looking in at Ken Wu, I'm going to read a little blurb for you here right, real quick. No one really talks about how the Wu Wu Kenny Wu was one of the biggest calls of the entire Junior Goodwill Games. I mean, everybody forgets that he was an Olympic figure skater. And like Alex said, Bombay always needed that one figure skater on his team. Yeah, so our next matchup saw saw the two most successful actors from this series. Again, a matchup that we purposely planned. Charlie Conway taking up against Russ Tyler. Conway dominated. Dominated, as, as was expected. Because, you know, he's Charlie. Charlie on this one. Over 27. And, and going on about Russ, it, it, the line here is very simple. Who didn't try a knuckle puck? I know I did. I did. I couldn't hit anything, but everybody tried the knuckle puck. Everybody. And here we have coming next the biggest upset of the first round, which is fitting if you know your NCAA basketball. It was a 12 seed knocking out a five. And I man, and I know this one hurt out. It was and it was the second biggest. Let me see here. Excuse me, third biggest margin of victory. 81% for Luis Mendoza over Guy Germain. Guy Germain is the most important hockey player on the Ducks. Period. End of story. Go watch the movies. He's always on the ice. And if you really don't understand, just li- just listen really quick. A little bit about Guy Germain. He's not the flashiest player. He may not have Banks' talent. The- Charlie's leadership skills, I lack thereof. Or Fulton's power, but he's honestly one of the smoothest players on that ice. If you truly watch the movies, you see how smooth that man is. There was a number out there. If you look at all the goals that happened on screen, he assisted on almost a quarter of them. People tend to forget what Guy Germain gave to the Mighty Ducks. Do his beast. All right. So our next match up here in the first round saw our three seed. This was the second biggest uh, def- uh, victory. Connie Moreau taking down Lester Averman, 85 to 15. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Now, Averman... Nobody, nobody got knocked out more than Averman did. Like he was a punching dummy for the Ducks, but he was out there a lot. I'll give him that. He had a lot of ice time on his back. Yeah, he he was out there a lot, but he uh, there was only one person in this movie who took a crotch shot to the face and got knocked out, and that was Lester Averman. Lester Averman, Lester Averman. So our next matchup was our again where we honestly did not see. Julie the Cat winning. We fought Goldberg, the nostalgic factor of Goldberg would take this. But you folks, you proved me wrong, and I could not have been happier. God bless Julie all of you. 62% to 38%. Now, as I said, we were going to read only a short blurb from most people, but Goldberg has a special place in our hearts, right? So we're going to read the whole thing. Mando, take it away. Oh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Greg Goldberg. I love Goldberg. I do. He's always ready to rip a fart when the time calls for one. He loves Philadelphia enough to rock structural gear. 
and he's the mastermind behind the plan to pose as Aaron Spelling's nephews in order to watch pretty ladies model outfits on Rodeo Drive. But I got to give credit where credit is due. That was a great idea. Smart move. He's a heady player. I will not. I won't take that away from him. But like this article says, holy hell, did he suck in the net? He's like, you can barely describe how bad he was. For most of the first movie, it seems like he can hardly grasp the concept of goaltending. Let alone, let alone know how to physically do it. That man was letting everything go by. The amount of goals he was responsible for is mind-blowing. He Not gave up a goal to Trinidad and Tobago. And after watching the movie today, I've come to the realization it wasn't just one. It was two. Oh, yeah. They won. Trinidad and Tobago had two at the end of that game. And it's not like he would leave the net just open in a small way. He was leaving the net absolutely gaping on a like regular basis. A like you could have rolled a Vespa through there, okay? Like it was it was like a blind person with a score goal, okay? And then leading out of the Goldberg-Julie the Cat matchup, we're going into our 7-10 matchup, which is Dean Portman versus Dwayne Robertson. And the Bash Bro took this one. And honestly, this one was hard because Dwayne Robertson could have been ranked a little higher. But let's be honest, he had his moments during these movies. And one beautiful line that you can't even imagine is, and if you've seen the movies, you know. But he's honestly a complete liability out there. And it's never more obvious when he jumped out onto the ice with a lasso. And roped down a guy on Team Iceland. Now, credit where credit is due. He was going to hit our girl up against the boards. And Dwayne Robertson stopped it. But still, to blatantly jump out on the ice and rope someone up, that tells you all you need to know. During the gold medal game. It, it wasn't just a right end <laughs> game. Is, it was this is true. It was, the, it was the championship game. It was the championship game that he decides, hey, which by the way, why is his rope on the bench? <laughs> They knew. Anyone? They knew it was coming. They, the man knew he was going to lasso without his rope. Like, like, I need to be ready. I'm always ready to lasso just in case. Either way, speaking of lassoing, this was the next matchup here was was poor, poor, poor Terry Hall. He might as well have been hogtied and, and just thrown out the pasture. Fulton Reed, much like a slap shot, just slapped his way past Terry Hall here. 88 to 12, our biggest big margin of victory in the first round. Like we said, Terry Hall. Armand already went over it. His best claim to fame is that he became pretty successful afterwards. So good for him. <laughs> Maybe this was a springboard. Who knows? Who knows if this is this is where his, his big start. So that leads us now into our second round of matchups, which provided us some, I will not lie, some pretty interesting matchups considering we actually didn't see this kind of coming. Um, our first matchup that we're going to go through here is the cake eater, Adam Banks, versus... The person who called him that the most, Jesse Hall. And Adam Banks absolutely extracted his revenge. Oh, it wasn't even close. 84% to 16%. It was not close. And talking about Jesse Hall, if you remember the first movie, before Adam Banks even joined the Mighty Ducks, Jesse Hall was clearly the top guy. I mean, he was the only one who even looked like a hockey player at the beginning of the movie. Everybody else is falling on over each other. Jesse Hall was the one actually scoring. And leading from Jesse Hall, we are going into Charlie Conway versus Luis Mendoza. 
And I must say, I really thought Luis Mendoza was going to somehow pull this one off. I wanted the Miami Missile to come through this. But Charlie Conway decided that it was not going to happen. And I know Charlie Conway has his cold following, and I get it. But it hurts me. It hurt just because he's from Miami. Because let's be honest, Conway is is Charlie is the, the deserved winner here. Oh, like, absolutely. <laughs> like, let's not forget that Luis Mendoza is fast. Like, I would say he's as fast as Benny the Jet Rodriguez from the Sandlot. Oh, interesting. However, yeah, I, that's the comparison I'm going with. Um, for some reason, like I said earlier, he can't stop. Like, that's like day one hockey, day one skating. You can't stop. And then they teach him to stop, but apparently by the third movie, he forgot how to stop again and jumps over to Goldie, which I actually think is more impressive. Yeah. No. And we don't even need to read his blurb because we've said it the whole time. Luis Mendoza couldn't stop. This man was brought in to be part of Team USA, but he couldn't stop. And leading in from that matchup goes into a matchup that honestly broke my heart. Connie Moreau versus Julie the Cat. And don't get me wrong. Julie the Cat was great. She was a rocking net. She took out Connie Moreau in what I believe is the closest matchup we've, we had. It was the closest matchup of the entire tournament. Absolutely. Now, a lot of people, again, will hate and say that Connie Moreau didn't do anything. But go back and watch those movies. Because she was one of the most solid hockey players on that team. Tony Moreau has just as much ice time as Guy Germain. And we all know where we stand on Guy Germain in this podcast. Okay. Connie Moreau and Guy Germain, besides being a fantastic couple, besides that, were an absolute dynamite pair on the ice. You saw Connie Moreau be a defenseman. You saw her take face-offs. You saw her score goals. You saw her assist. She was an all-around player. And if they had the Women's Hockey League back then, she would have been the number one pick. Absolutely. And leading in to our Battle of the Bash Bros. Fulton Reed. Definitely the more fun matchup here in the second round. Everybody was asking for it. We had people on Instagram and Twitter telling us, oh, we need the we need the Bash Bros matchup. Little did you know, we set it up for that to happen. Now, Fulton Reed took out his buddy Dean Portman by 66% to 34%. And honestly, one, Dean Portman had some of the most memorable moments in, in this franchise. He was a teenager who looked like he was 30. We can all agree that he did not look like he was a teenager. And when he gets kicked out of a game, he goes back to a locker room and absolutely obliterates a stool on his knee. And I don't know about you, but that guy was one of the coolest guys in the entire movie. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, let's not forget, like, he shows up in D3, which, by the way, his scene probably saved most of that movie when he shows up and, and and his first 10 seconds on the ice where he literally flips a guy through the boards, through the glass. Like 10 seconds on the, his, on the ice, supposedly hasn't played hockey, God knows how long, flips my man. And by the way, I like to point out, the dude flies out with his blade in the air. <laughs> into the crowd. Blade into the crowd. Not one injury. Not one fan took a skate to the face, which kudos to you, sir. Kudos to you. So that leads us into our semifinals, where our first matchup matches up two players who ended up becoming kind of 
best friends throughout the throughout the uh, movies um, are one seed cake eater Adam Banks taking on the captain Charlie Conway, and Conway Hell did not hold back. Our one seed went down sixty-eight to thirty-two percent. Not happy about that. Conway is overrated, folks. We will get to that in a minute. But just talking about Adam Banks, if you saw the movies, let's be honest. The only reason you're voting for Charlie Conway is because it's cute little Charlie Conway. The movies were about him in Bombay. We get it. But Adam Banks, if you really look at it, that was the best pure hockey player, best pure scorer on the ice. No doubt about that. And off of that, we're going into the matchup of Julie the Cat versus Fulton Reed. And Fulton Reed continues his dominance. Throughout this bracket. I mean, he was just unstoppable through the first three rounds. I will say, Julie DeCat, she's one of the most disrespected players in the movie. I think you guys gave her the right respect that she deserved. I have no issues with her making the semis. I really don't. I think she is very much deserving. But she doesn't get to play in D2 until literally the last penalty shot in the gold medal game. Besides for her two-second cameo that she gets kicked out of the game. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Um, but, I would have made the whole podcast about coffee, man. That would have been that would have been nice. Um, <laughs> hey, it happens. People love it. It happens. Right? It happens. So she that's when she comes in because for some reason that's when Gordon Bombay realizes, man, Goldberg can't stop a cold. Took him that long to realize that. Took him that long to realize. It, it Maybe it was the slap shot from the blue line during a penalty shootout that he still allowed to get past him. Maybe it was that. Oh, I don't. Goldberg. Goldberg. But um, <laughs> leading in to our finals, we had Fulton Reed versus Charlie Conway. And I will not you, lie to you. You all surprised me. I was you nervous. I was nervous. I thought Charlie Conway was going to win this. But I'm proud to say Fulton Reed. The OG Bash Bro pulled this off and is known as our winner and champion of the Goat Duck Tournament. Now, a lot of you may be asking why we've been kind of banging on Charlie Conway so much. Just a couple of points here as we're uh, we're kind of winding down here on the on our first uh, on episode zero. Um, first of all, he's known as Spazway. If you're such a good player, you're not going to be spazway, okay? Secondly, in the gold medal game, well, twice, in the gold medal game, Adam Banks comes back from injury, and Charlie Conway is the very first one that says, hey, I'll give up my spot for him. If you're the captain and you're that good of a player, wouldn't you, wouldn't his teammates be like, hey, no, 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 we kind of need you. Let's get rid of like, like the figure skater. No yeah. offense, Kitty. I'm just, I'm just using use an example here. Or, or like, the rancher who never passes. Nobody said anything. Everybody's like, oh, all right, cool. Charlie's out. Like, are you that good? And let's not forget when they gave him the penalty shot in D1, everybody was very upset. They all wanted who? Guy Germain to take that shot. Because they knew. Even they knew who deserved to take that shot. And one last thing. When Charlie's going through all his emo puberty stuff in D3, nobody takes his side. Even Fulton, his boy. Fulton's like, hey, listen, man, like, we got to play some defense. Stop with this garbage. But even though we said we were only going to say the ones that lost, we obviously have to give credit to Fulton Reed. Now, I'm just going to read a couple knots really quick. Fulton's slap shot 
can break a passenger side window, cause plexiglass to shatter, hit a chest so hard that the door shuts on it, propel a child-aged goalie backward into a net, rip through a net, knock a teenage goalie unconscious, and leave a disconcerting imprint on someone's hand. And if you have not seen that imprint, <laughs> please go back and see and watch D2 because you will see why this man deserved to be number one. He was just a stud, just a stud defenseman with a killer shot. You know, he, he deserves, he deserves his championship and I'm glad you guys decided that way. That is it for today's show, everybody. Thank you for listening to the This and That podcast with Alex and Mondo. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, you could find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at This and That AM. See you next week. Later, everyone.